This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 238, recorded on November 19th, 2015. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, all three engines up and burning, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff, the final liftoff of the planets. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, I'm broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios. Here in a soon-to-be snowy Bellevue, Nebraska, I think they're calling for a couple inches of snow. We're, we're all laughing because people are going to treat it like it's Snowmageddon, uh, getting the first snow of the year uh, here. But uh, they're calling for a couple inches on Saturday. And of course, we, uh, we post a show with world-class show notes each week out at the Average Guy. TV. You can also join us live on the new mobile apps. Get them. Uh, they are available for both the iPhone and Android devices. HomeGadgetGeeks.com will get you there. And, of course, Home Gadget Geeks is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the links to this show. And many other great podcasts, including Mike Wieger's Open Mic Night, is out there uh, at thegeeksnetwork.com. All right, let's dive in. Mike Wieger uh, coming in from the farm tonight. Mike, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Yeah, I was hoping everything was working. It seems to be going well right now. I got a makeshift microphone stand working for me. But yeah, coming in from uh, southeast Nebraska, it's deer week this week, so I'm down here doing some hunting while I still can. Rabbit season, duck season, <laughs> rabbit season, <laughs> duck season, right? Deer so season, good. Well, yeah. be safe. You, you wear the orange gear. Oh, you got any like hunting tech that uh, that you're going to use tomorrow for the for the hunt? Uh, we used the tech beforehand, so we have trail cams out, and we're actually saving up for the ones that send it to your phone from wherever you are because it connects to the cell tower, and when it gets a picture, it'll actually send it to your phone wherever you're at. So, but we have trail cams. Uh, we have all sorts of fun stuff. So, oh, yeah. very cool. Very cool. Yeah, hunting's just not like it used to be. It's now they have all kinds of technical clothes and you're super oh, warm. They've got this box you can buy for five hundred dollars and it hangs in this tree next to you and it cleans the air of your scent. <laughs> yeah. I don't have that. I'm I not thought going you were to, gonna but... be like it attracts deers by playing deer porn. And yeah, then... that's <laughs> I that's think I what said I need. Deer. That's what I'm missing. I think I said deers too, and in that sentence, like I didn't even get the plural right of that. Right. Uh, but uh, that's what I thought you were going to say when when you said there's a box up there, and it, <laughs> it it so it scrubs the air so that they can't smell you, huh? Right. Exactly. Puts out some cheap um, gas station bathroom cologne. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the economy on scent covering stuff. I mean, they've got deodorant, they've got uh, shampoo you use. Oh, I mean, they've got all sorts of stuff. You yeah. can go crazy with. Uh, if you just go to Cabela's, you can drop a few grand easy on hunting stuff. Well, good good luck, uh, happy hunting. Uh, I do have a few deer that walk through my backyard every day. We call them the dogs of the forest. If you ever want to come take care of those, you could you could probably just choke them to death. They're probably. That that's so why they t- come to the city because they know, know that everywhere else we can. I know it's totally ridiculous. So we'll be yeah. safe. Come yeah, back. Come back safe. And then a new guest and and John, I cannot believe it has taken me this long <laughs> to get you on Home Gadget Geeks. I, I don't know. You know, finally at a conference, I've known you for a couple of years now. We've worked mm-hmm. together at the various conferences, but uh, but at the last conference, you're like, hey, I want to. You know, we should talk about this thing, and I'm like, hey, we should. I can't believe I got you on. Anyways. John Larson is a systems engineer. He works for AIM, which is uh, kind of an incubator tech company, news organization, uh, conference provider, all things. Right, John? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. 
Yeah. Tell us so tell us a little bit about your job at AIM. What what kind of things what what do they expect from you so that you can get paid? Well, I maintain essentially all the servers that operate all of our websites, such as uh, Curlink.com, um, the Infotech website yep. for the conference, yep. mm -hmm. um, Heartland Developer Conference, um, anything that has to do with, say, people who need to authenticate from their desktop. Uh, I did all implementation of Google Apps for the company and migrated over from Active Directory for that. And aim but, for aim for brilliance, right? That's the name of the that's the main site. Is that right? That's the main site. That's yeah. the main aimforbrilliance.org. Yeah, yeah. No, very cool. And then, so you've got, but but on the side, from a from a tech perspective, you're kind of a gadget guy too, and a photographer. We're going to talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit later. But any other, any other? Well, we should mention. So tonight, I'm broadcasting live on Windows. Mike is broadcasting live on an older Mac. And John, what do you have there? What are you broadcasting to us to on? I have a, a home-built Linux PC. Um, the case I actually bought in 2007, when I started with AIM, this was my present to myself for getting the new job. Yeah. And I've upgraded video cards and drives, and I still have the same processor, though. So I'm looking to upgrade the board at some point, and I might switch to the M2 type SATA SSD yeah. just to save space in the case for uh, better airflow. But uh, Core 2 Duo uh, running Linux, you're on. I assume you're on Chrome. Is that yep. or what browser are you using? Chrome browser. I'm using. And it looks great. I mean, so you, we we were joking. My video has been struggling tonight. I'm on a Core i7 3770 that is you know 16 gig of RAM and all this juice, and my video looks like crap. And or it's been having some problems, and you're doing pretty well. So we we're covering the gamut of all OSs. I know we've got some sysadmins and some guys that are hardcore Linux in our listening community, and so they'll be glad to know you can podcast. You can now that you've almost like thrown down a challenge for me. It's like oh, every <laughs> time I every time I, I and I always bring up Ubuntu, and maybe that's my problem. But every time Ubuntu comes up with the next version, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try this, and I'm gonna see if I can. You know, 30 days with Ubuntu, and I get three days, and I'm like, screw this, right? I don't want any. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. And uh, it reminds me, for me, it reminds me of the old days of Windows when I don't know how to do things, you know? And I'm sure it's easy for those of you, but is that your main box? I mean, are you running that all the time? Is that what you run at home in most cases? And you're, it sounds like you're able to do most stuff. Yeah. So I don't turn this thing off unless I reboot it once or twice maybe in a month, depends upon certain updates. But, you know, considering that the box is this old and I've only updated components, you can still do a lot with the hardware. I don't have SATA 3, you know. Yeah. Uh, if I wanted USB 3, I put in an add-on card. And just to be able to extend it is great. It's, it's a full-sized... It's like a uh, micro ATX board, but all the slots are full. There's five slots on the board. There's something in every single slot. And any particular reason, just because you could, or is there a work reason or a preference that you run that instead of Windows? Um, mostly for work, because I am using Linux all the time at work. So 
I feel if I live in it all the time, I have a better feeling for what I'm doing and the troubleshooting and such. But the differences between work and home is at home I'm more concentrating on audiovisual, um, obviously some of the photography things, and and vi and uh, um, a lot of MP3 music. So I have recently augmented my home network with a Synology NAS, which has been really nice. Um, but I also built in 2003 a Myth TV box. Are you familiar with Myth TV? Mm, no, I'm not. It is a DVR. It's like a TiVo. Oh yeah, I've heard of this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I built my first box in 2003 because I was slated to do a presentation for the Omaha Linux Users Group at the time. So I took it on and that was probably one of the hardest things I've ever worked on because timing for AV on Linux, you had to do a lot of hoops because the manufacturers of the video capture cards didn't intend you to use them on Linux. So you had to work with people writing drivers. And I've kept upgrading that machine, and I still have it. Today, it's got like two one-terabyte drives in it, and I record... I don't, I don't have cable. I'm a, I am a cord cutter, so I'm recording essentially MeTV yeah. most of the time. Well, do you have... And what are you using for your tuners? Uh, I have an um, ATSC tuner from Hapage oh. or Wappage. Yeah, you know, I think it's Hapage. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Tomato, tomato, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm using a single tuner for that. I don't need to support multiple tuners. I've, I've known people who've had two dual tuners in their systems. Yep. Yep, but they need a pretty serious CPU to run that. Well, have you thought about going external, like with the you know we I use Silicon Dust's tuners. Uh, they're you know they're external, so you don't they're network tuners. So you you know oh they, that's the HD Home Run, isn't it? Yeah, HD Home Runs. Yep. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I thought about doing that, and I have looked at it a few times. Yeah, that'd be nice. It's a nice to kind of get that off the. You know, you get the processing off the PC and you got it in the box and it does it does a lot of work for you and then you just push it across the network uh, on that. And, uh, you know, what I find in our house, you know, we, we use uh, Windows 7 Media Center for it. And, man, we, we almost have some nights we've got all four tuners occupied recording, wow. you know, content down between the voice and dancing with the stars and idol and all that, you know, the stuff my, my wife loves to watch all those. And then I record, like, Nova and Nature and, you know, some mm -hmm. of those, so this old house and kind of stuff like that. So... We um, we use them all, and uh, but I looked at this Myth TV for a while, and I might have even tried it way back in the day. How easy is that? I mean, what's a, if if I'm the average user and I'm going to want to install this on a on a box? What's briefly? What is the setup like? What do I need to get Myth TV working? And 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 is it? Do I get guide data and those kinds of things? Sure. So for there's a couple ways to do it. The way I've done it is I've just installed the Fedora distro and then I've installed the packages with the tuner card. And there's a service called Schedules Direct and I pay $25 a year hmm. for the service. Okay, it's not bad. It provides the information. The, tuner, the tuner information. Right. It yeah. used to be 
this horribly convoluted XML scraping feature, and then they 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 made deals with um, what was it, Zap to it. But more recently, like in the last five or six years, they've created a their own service with a board and proper subscription fees, so you can actually get that data legitimately easily and uh, it's, it works pretty good. I just have to remember to renew it every year when it yeah. comes up for renewal. Otherwise, it stops updating, and then it's like, oh, why did it stop recording? Oh, yeah, that's right. They send you reminder emails. Right, then they should. Do you, right. it, but it does require uh, some kind of Linux distro to run mm-hmm. on. And there I are assume... some, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. no, go ahead. There are some distros that have that built in, sort of like a prepackaged distribution. I haven't looked for quite some time, but it is available. And it has kind of, in more later versions of MythTV, they do have some DLNA capability. Okay. So I can actually see it from my television's built-in DLNA capabilities, but the interface on TVs, you know, has a lot to be... Yeah, it's not very good for the most part. Um, And then... You'd said earlier, I don't know if we'd said this in the recorded part of the show, you're running a Fedora uh, distro on your box there, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, Lop just said in chat, Ubuntu is pretty terrible. So maybe I should try, if if I was going to try Fedora, that's a pretty easy download and install, right? I mean, that's a flash drive yeah. boot up, right? I mean, they've mm-hmm. got an install distro for me. The, so the if they're like 1.3 gig for the download. Yeah, pretty small. I mean, I could put them on a flash drive and, and boot to that. Yeah, pretty. So my experience from a Fedora standpoint, would it look more like Mac or would it look more like Windows? It would look more like a Mac. Okay. Drive on the left Although, side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of takes a bit from each one, you know? If you move your mouse up into the corner, it pops up to show you programs you can load. There's a search feature where you just type the program and it'll do it. Um, and the canvas or gnome, as they call it, yeah, gnome yeah. three. Gnome. Just kidding. It's been, it's been getting pretty good. Okay. They've, no. they've they've done a lot to simplify it, um, and the interface has been pretty consistent, like the last three versions. P- pretty stable from that standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll give it a try. That I've always gone Ubuntu. Uh, Mike, have you you spent any time with Linux? Have you have you messed around with that on on that side? Besides Debian on the Raspberry Pi, no. Okay. That's that's been about it. So, John, maybe maybe what I do is I look for. I th- I'm pretty sure I can install any Linux version I want in Hyper-V. I think I'd have to check into yeah. that. I, I think that's possible. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should look for a Fedora uh, distro that has Myth TV built into it. Is that do you think that's possible? Or there's 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 one yeah. out there, and then try running that. Attach it to the network tuners and just kind of see. You know, Windows 7 Media Center is eventually going to go away, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, they're not... Windows 7 won't be available sometime next year. Or they're going to shut a lot of that stuff down. They'll still support it for a while, but... And then, of course, Media Center's done. I mean, they've already said it's done. And we've been waiting for other tuners to come along, and so I've been trying different things. How big... Is the community pretty big on this, or is it still still just mostly enthusiasts? That's the hard thing to measure. Mm. If you read the message boards, there's a lot of traffic. And 
I'm to the point now that I haven't rebuilt my system for probably three years. So my troubleshooting with it isn't as much until I encounter a problem. And every upgrade from Fedora, it's harder for me to notice how many changes have done. Right. It's mostly like underlying versions. Like in Fedora 23, they're using LibreOffice 5. Whereas in 22, it was like 4.4 or 4.3. So you're kind of getting all the new updates. It's like when you get a new Mac, oh, you got a new Keynote version. You know, and now you can't use the old version, and you've got to do it all upgraded. But I like my Myth TV. I usually use the generic Myth TV interface, but if your system supports DLNA or those features, you can actually interface with it. You can hit it with, say, Kodi, what used to be XBMC, right, and pull recordings off of that as well. Hmm. Uh, uh, Funny about this, I have a, um, a Grace Digital internet radio that I use on my bedside. It will see the recordings and try to play them, even though they're video. Right. Yeah. But and it what's is the, rather, rather funny. With Myth TV, what are the, what's the video standard? What is it using to encode those into... Is it a standard MP4? or what, 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 what kind of file do you get when you're done? Nowadays, it's pretty much... MP4. That's, so the, the encoder card is taking care of that for you. In the old that's... days, it was MPEG-2, and the biggest change I've seen in it is when I went to uh, over-the-air broadcasting video size because of the high-def signal. I used to have 30-minute show used to be maybe three to 400 meg. Now you're talking a yeah. gig, two gig. Easy. Easy. So your storage becomes a bit more something you have to work on. Yeah, it, it's the same thing on the Windows Media Center side. Uh, Lopta says I should maybe have my own distro called Jimbuntu. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> nicely, nicely done. Well, I'll have to check that out. I, I We didn't plan to talk about that, but... Um, that that's a pretty cool, uh, you know. It's again, it's a media center alternative, and, mm -hmm. and we're big media center users. I do think Microsoft and and Mike, you can weigh in on this. I do think Microsoft is eventually going to add DVR capabilities to the Xbox One, and I'll I'll be honest, I'm probably just going to go with that. As soon as that happens, I'm going to you know drop 350 on a new Xbox, and and that will become our media center uh, at home. But Mike, still not right. I mean, you can DVR. I mean, you can watch but no record, right? Right. Well, and that's something we can get into later if you want to, but I want to talk about the whole new Xbox experience at some point because as far as the TV side goes, I think that it got far worse. I, I just I can't stand the new update as far as watching TV, so I don't know if we want to go into it now or later. No, but let's talk later. Yeah, it got, I think it got worse. So I don't know. I see it coming down the road. They definitely focused on one guide, making it a bigger presence on the Xbox. It's much bigger. It has its own big main tab now. So I could see them kind of... And, and they switched it from TV to one guide. So I could see one guide really being the branding for their new media center, being the one thing you need, the one that it records and all that stuff. So yeah, in the future, I could see that uh, being a good brand behind it. And it would be a fantastic device to have it on. You have it in your living room already. Yeah. Um, it, they come now with a terabyte of storage plus USB 3 to add on. So I, I think it would work out pretty well. 
Yeah, I think they got to go that way. I just I can't figure out what's taking so long. They must be focusing so much on that new Windows 10 experience for the Xbox that I think they need to get that pinned in. And by the way, if that if we get DVR or, or Media Center capabilities inside Xbox, that should come to the desktop as well. So that's that's one of those things we should get because it's both Windows 10 now. We should get two for one. So the only thing I think the only downside for me the only thing I said why they're not focusing on it too much right now and rushing to get it out is because when I think of the Xbox I think of a device that's geared toward the younger generation obviously right it's geared towards gamers first of all now it's starting to get a little bit bigger with a wider range because it's more of a home media device but the thing is my generation of people we don't use DVRs not a single one of my friends, not anyone I know has bought a DVR. We don't have TiVo. We don't pay for the service through Cox because of the fact that we are totally fine with just paying $9 a month for Hulu or Netflix and ABC.com and using all of those services and being able to get it that way. So I think that I, I agree it needs to be there, but I don't think there's a big rush for the people that use the Xbox One primarily right now. I see what you're saying. Because I don't even know if I would use it if I if I had it, honestly. I don't know if it would be too big of a deal for me. i tell you where we use it 99% of the time, is that's to time shift a live show on the same day. And so yeah. it's one of those kinds of things where you can schedule it and then say, hey... You know, we don't get you know we don't get home from work till seven, and then there's a bunch of stuff that needs to be done before we can watch TV. Well, you know, if uh, the Voice starts at eight, we're not going to come rushing down the stairs to watch the Voice, right? You just want right. to you just want to get that thing recording, and then we'll start it at nine. And the beauty is, you can skip through all the commercials, right? So, right. I think we need to get there, and I totally agree. I mean, it's easy to catch them on Hulu the next day or whatever. That right. from that standpoint, but sports is the same way. I mean, there's times I'm watching something, I want to. <laughs> I want to pause it, and I want it to record for me, or or what have you, when I'm out, and I don't want to watch it same day. Sports isn't available on Hulu, so we've we've got some issues there. Well, John, maybe you've convinced me, maybe to take a look at this Myth TV. I'll have to track down a distro, throw that into uh, into Hyper-V. That gets a little screwy because sometimes you know Hyper-V doesn't necessarily have all the sound and video drivers that those things are looking for. So maybe I'll have to secure another PC or something to. Give yeah. that a try. Like, like I need another PC here. Well, if you have an old Core 2 Duo. <laughs> you know, around. actually, our HP, we had an HP uh, ProLiant uh, Core 2 Duo. It was a desktop. That's not the right name of it. but um, And it was a Core 2 Duo. It just finally, that was our media center PC, and it finally just gave up the ghost about three weeks ago. And I just took it to Best Buy for recycle. So oh. <laughs> that's, that's uh, it's gone. I took that in an old Pentium 4 that I had. And, you know, it's one of those kinds of things laying around. It was a beautiful Dell box. Dell made these really nice Pentium 4 boxes way back 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was. Beautiful box. I never wanted to get rid of it because it just looked, it was it was silver and white. And it looked, this was before they made cool, you know, oh, yeah. before, right when desktops were black or white and then that white yeah, turned Packard orange. Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And so Dell made this really nice design, and I could just not, um, I could not bring myself to get rid of that. And it's been sitting around; it's been in the garage for a while, back in here. And so finally, the other day, we're starting to clean up as we get kind of ready to move here in the next couple of years. And so I'm trying to get rid of stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I gotta get rid of this thing. And I took it. It was a sad day when I, I but it was a Pentium Four, <laughs> you know. So, so you're like, oh, there's not too many things you could run on a Pentium Four these days. I took two card loads of electronics recycling when we packed up to move last summer, last year. It was just so much to deal with. Some things I just didn't want to keep. Some things I wanted to keep, but it was just, eh. 
about time to go. Yeah. Yeah. One of the advantages of living in an apartment, you don't have the space to put it anywhere, so you can't keep it. That's not an option. It's like, well, (laughs) either has to go to be donated or something, but you can't keep it there because there's literally no room. So I've got old network cards and old cables, (laughs) and I I just need to, like, I just need to de-junkify. Loptus says there is a a myth Ubuntu, so maybe that's... uh, Oh, yeah. There used to be a myth Dora as well, but I don't think that's... I didn't really see that listed. kept that up. And then Tony says, uh, uh, MB, I assume is how you pronounce it, E-M-B-Y. Um, and I think that's a new media center offering that... Uh, there's there's a, another one coming from Silicon Dust. They, were, they mm. did a Kickstarter to create their own DVR. And it's supposed to be out in September. And uh, it's the... The the new band too says it's now November, so they're a little they're a little late on uh, on delivering it. So all right, well, uh, one more we, item on that. Yeah, yeah. I go have ahead. heard that the Channel Master DVR is actually really pretty good. Oh, okay. John C. Yeah. Dvorak was talking about it once on Twitter, Channel so. Master. Mm-hmm. They have one of those old logos that looked like it never made it out of the '60s. Oh. Okay, yeah, and and we're talking so uh, DV, the Channel Master CM. Let's this is the seventy-five. This is a one terabyte version, four hundred bucks. Yeah, on at uh, at uh, at Crutchfield, um, but that's a little thin, very thin, very flat. Would look good in your in your you know in your uh, TV case, mm-hmm. whatever, or even mounted to the wall. Yeah. Yeah, that that'd be that wouldn't be a bad option, I guess. Um, if you're trying to do, yeah. say, an install for um, a mom, a dad, yeah. yeah, something that's straightforward and simple, that it's like, oh, now I have to go support it and fix it, and let's just keep it simple. Right. Yeah, and that's got tuner, the tuner built in, so dual tuner DVR with one a one terabyte hard drive. Uh, would record your over-the-air podcasts, and I think isn't there? There's uh, Dave McCabe's got something like a Tableau or something that like that. Sounds familiar. Yeah, that's doing some of that. Just none of them have kind of caught on mainstream mm-hmm. yet, you know, from that standpoint. I just had somebody ask me today on Facebook. Was that was that today? Like, uh, is there are there any other? Maybe it's on the Facebook page. Are there any other options? Well, that was you, Uyghur, wasn't it? No. Somebody else. Are there any other options besides um, the DVR I would buy at, uh, you know, I get through Cox or whatever, mm. right? And, uh, or TiVo. And I'm like, well, you know, you got this option. You got Media Center. You could, you know, which you're going to you're gonna have to find the right equipment for that. There's a few of these you can buy. But at the end of the day, you're just, you're, you're spending about as much as you'd spend through the cable company or through your, Cable company. The only time you get in that quandary is if you've cut the cable completely, and uh, and you're going to go completely over there. Then you're going to have to pick up something like this. So, um, so well, Mike. I hope that I'm I'm hoping I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pinging you. I'm hoping the Xbox One. That's my hope is that the Xbox One comes up with DVR here quick. Yeah, I would um, hope so. The Plex on there though is just fantastic. I've my wife and I. I've got her hooked on using the Plex for everything. So we'll throw all of our TV shows, movies, all on the server, and then uh, just distribute it that way, which which works okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not going to rec- pull those down. You have to find somewhere to grab them. But that Plex and it looks fantastic on the Xbox too. That's what I like about it. Well, you could almost get like get this Myth TV, have it bring down the MP4s for you, and then uh, set Plex to watch those folders. 
That's yeah. yeah. That's a very interesting idea, actually. That's that's kind of a way to get. Now TV you've got me thinking about some more things I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, John. I mean, it's you would need to go. You would go into Myth TV to set up your recordings. Yeah. Uh, but it it could it could bring that down. Put it on a folder that you specify somewhere on the network. Right. Yeah, you, and, you define storage groups so you can have multiple hard drives, and it decides where to put them. It tries to even out the storage between the two, say if you've got two of them. Um, yeah, I really like Plex too. I have Plex on my Synology, and I use all my Roku's to pull off for Plex. Yeah. Cause Do you, some... uh, for Myth TV, is that just for Linux, or can you run it on like a Mac and Windows as well? There was a Mac port that was being worked on once, but they couldn't keep up with the pace of development of the Linux side. Okay, because I'm just looking for something like that for my Mac. My iMac sits on the network all the time, and it's a great computer that just goes unused a lot, and I'm like, that could be something that could use, you know, throw some uh, outboard tuners like Jim has and use that. They used to have, what, the ITV on the Mac, the little USB? Yeah, see, I haven't even looked into it, so I don't know. I just started recently thinking about it. Well, I have to give it a try. That sounds interesting. I have to go get some cheap hardware so I can uh, so I can I, I give that Myth TV a try. And John, I may I may call you if I if I run into okay. Linux problems. <laughs> I have you, maybe I wrote remote in and fix my my um, my problems. John, somebody had asked earlier, what do you do for AIM? You said you're a systems administrator. Uh, that's that means you work on right. You work on all their web sites. Is that your day to day? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Adding users. Um, work with the printers, set up file servers, print servers, domain controllers, web servers, database servers, file server, you know. Yeah, all that stuff. And you're a helpful server guy to me. Usually. What's that? You're super helpful to me when we do our conferences because yeah. you're the guy that can set the live page for me uh, <laughs> to make to make all those things work when we, we podcast. So John and I, I really met John through... A couple years ago, we were doing I, I, we do Heartland of Developer or Heartland Developer Conference and Infotech. AIM owns both of those now. We started podcasting at them, and I needed to get a live page. And a couple years ago, nobody was doing that, so it was mm-hmm. kind of this was kind of cut cutting edge and fresh. And you get uh, the 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 network drop in, so you, you didn't have to deal with the wireless. That was sweet. That was worth the price of admission right there, is to have that blue line coming out of the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially at a conference, uh, you know, when the Wi-Fi is just horrible. Um, and so looking forward to working with you guys. We also now do, if you guys haven't caught this yet, I'm working with uh, with Ryan Pendle uh, from Silicon Prairie News, and uh, uh, AIM owns Silicon Prairie News now, or parts of it, or however that works. Ryan's a managing editor for that, and we do this podcast called the Silicon Prairie News Minute, and you can catch that over at TheAverageGuy.tv. So, if you haven't been out there in a while, go out to TheAverageGuy.tv, scroll all the way to the bottom, and we have a new feed called the Silicon Prairie News Minute. Ryan and I are trying to do those every other week. It is literally a four-minute podcast, so something you can listen to, and it's the three best stories that are on Silicon Prairie News right now. So if you're into small startup communities, and we focus on the Midwest, so Missouri, Nebraska, Iowa, and Kansas is kind of the region that we focus on, and, um, and so check that out. It's four minutes. It's it's even if it's, you don't like it, you'll get those four minutes back somewhere along the line in your life. But uh, check that out. So uh, John, it's been fun to work with with um, with Ryan over there. He's do you get to work with him very much? I do. Um, funny side note: um, we're both in the Omaha Astronomical Society, and I didn't know it for like two months after we've been working at AIM. 
So I was, good. Reading, I was reading the newsletter, and there was his picture, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Now, Ryan's a great guy, and uh, I'm mm-hmm. enjoying... We got him a mic, uh, so he, you know, so now he's got an ATR twenty one hundred. So he sound, you know, he was using one of those gaming, and for the pilot, we oh, did like really? four pilot episodes before we really even advertised we were doing it, you know. And uh, the last one we did, he was on an ATR twenty one hundred and doing a nice job with it. The beauty of it is, it's he writes all the copy, so. On you know on Tuesdays I get a note hey the copy's ready and I just go in and I add a few little my bits and then we kind of improvise around the copy and create I think what are these fun little engaging minute summaries of the news and then we put the link in the show notes so you want to subscribe to it so you get the link so you can check out the articles at Silicon Prairie News uh, on your phone so some pretty good stuff they're doing some this is not your typical uh, uh, in gadget or um, uh, Verge news reporting. It's not what you're going to get at Silicon Prairie. They really are. It's kind of homegrown. If you kind of like the back room of tech, of what's going on in the startup scene, especially here in Silicon Prairie, uh, I think you'll like it, so check it out. All right, let's talk. uh, Wow, we didn't intend to go that direction with Myth TV or with DVRs, but that's the way Home Gadget Geeks is. You never know uh, what you're going to get. The real reason I had you on here, though, John, is you got a little you got a little camera gadget uh, that I just thought was pretty cool, and so mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I don't know how you want to lead into this, but well, I'm going to uh, show a little bit of history. Okay, good. Let's do it. So, um, as most people know, in the '70s, you had DSLRs. This is a, a Minolta camera. Um, it fits pretty good in the hand. It is pretty heavy, right? Uses film. There is actually film still in this camera. Uh, I got this from my. Uh, Isn't it like rotten by now? No, it should still be okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. If it's if it's been tre- if it's been well kept temperature wise. Right. Right. Um, I've only done a little bit of film growing up. My brother has done a lot more than I have, but this is actually my father-in-law's camera. He gave it to me. Wow. So every so often I pull it out take a picture, and then someday I'll develop the film, and it'll be a nice little surprise. Many so that's people, that's SLR, right? That's an SLR. SLR, right. Right. Now, if you look at this and the size of it, and you look at some of Canon's, like the 5D, it's almost a third of the size bigger these days. Even the lenses are probably that big around compared to the lens on this camera. So if this is heavy, the Canon's heavy because right. the, the high-end ones are magnesium body. You may remember this camera. This oh, is oh, yeah. the Kodak Instamatic. This is a little 110 film camera. 110. Small <laughs> and compact. This Uyghur, actually has. You don't even know what we're talking about here, Weaker. Oh, yeah. no, I love that. Oh, those old cameras. My dad had an old Canon that I used to love playing with. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. I got this for 6 bucks downtown at the Imaginarium. Oh, really? There was film in it, but I have since replaced it with new film. You can, can you actually get, buy new can you film get it on Amazon. You can I mean, get it developed. There's yes. places that are still developing. I mean, I remember back in the day, you know, you'd go to the local Kodak place, you know, the little the little pop-up in the middle of, the, you know, somewhere. And then eventually we switched over to, like, Snapfish and some of those, right, where you would mail. God, I, I think I still have mailers 
for Snapfish, right? Where you'd mail it in. Mm -hmm. Seattle Filmworks, remember that? That was yep. another, yeah, yep. yeah, that was another company. So. so you mentioned the chat room about the Pentax Auto 110, which was a SLR-like camera that used 110 film. You can actually find videos on YouTube for people who will rewind or they'll put new film in old 110 cartridges. Wow. Because it's, um, it's just 16 millimeter film right. with more holes or less holes. Don't quote me on that. I can't I remember quote quite. Yeah. But, you know, big and heavy or small and compact. Right, so I kind of would like to have the light. A couple years ago, I picked up a digital SLR. It's not really a DSLR though. This is a mirrorless, interchangeable lens systems camera. This is an Olympus OMD EM1. It's pretty much the same size actually smaller than the Minolta. It's a 16 megapixel camera. The lens is a lot smaller. I actually have a shield in the front. I'll take the shield off. But comparable to Canon or Nikon, or as the people in Asia say, Nikon, mm -hmm. this is so much more light, so much more compact, and I can I can put these lenses in my pocket and walk through the airport and not have to have a huge camera bag. So you buy one lens, you buy two lenses, you buy another camera, and then this year Olympus came out with this. This is the Olympus Air A01. It uses all the same lenses as my OMD cameras or the Olympus Pen cameras, but it's super compact. So if this is the camera and this is one of the lenses, they're roughly the same size. Now, John, we're used to the traditional camera. I mean, people are thinking, okay, mm -hmm. I got to hold on to something, and then I got to, you know, I got to push a button to take the picture. Is that? I mean, how do you even handle this camera? I mean, what's like? Can can I do it? Yeah. How do I how do I know what I'm looking at? That kind of stuff. Okay. So, much like the Instamatic, you had a little viewfinder that you looked through, and you took the picture. It's a little offset on the front, so you kind of had to adjust. What they call parallax to what you're taking a picture of. So I equate my Olympus Air to being like an Instamatic camera. I just point, there's a, there's a shutter button on the top when you power it on. You hit the button and you take the picture. So if you're holding it like this and you take the picture, you're just sort of averaging out where you're taking the picture. So I'll, let me put a lens on it. So native, no lens, right? When you buy it, lensless, right. right? And then, okay, so that's what it looks like. No, lens. Yeah, there's the sensor on the inside, so it's right. a 16 megapixel sensor. And in itself, does it have any zoom, or is it depending on the lenses to do that? It depends on the lens to do that. Yeah. There is a digital teleconverter, so it'll do like 1 or 2x in, digitally. In a, yeah, right. But for the most part, it all depends upon the lens. 
they sell it in the body only or with a kit lens, which is a zoom lens. And I, there's a link in the show notes to an Amazon. I so how much the, is this out of the box? Lenses. The, the, the camera itself is $299. Okay. So with the kit lens, it turns out to be $499. Um, the kit lens that comes with it is a collapsing type, so it'll collapse in on itself, so it's a lot smaller. And when you power it on, the lens will extend out. This is a prime lens. It doesn't zoom, so this is like a 45 millimeter. But what I've noticed is, you know, there's, there's always like a dot on the lens because you line up the dots to put the lenses on. The dot is exactly on the top of the camera. So if I'm using it to aim, I'm using that dot as kind of like my own little finder to see what I'm looking at to even it out to take the picture. But there's also some lugs on the side, so that's sort of like my 90 degree turn and take the picture. It's a rudimentary way of trying to keep it level as I'm turning it. And John, what about tripod? What about a tripod? Can I connect it to a tripod? Yep, there is a tripod screw on the bottom. And I have this little tripod here that you can set it on the table. One thing I did on my last trip when I was out of town, I'm going to, let me see, I can share my screen. For, for our audio-only listeners, and I, there's a lot of you, this, this may be one you want to head over to the yeah, averageguy.tv yeah. right. slash. No, 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 you're fine. It's this is this is just one of those things I was thinking about. You know, a lot of visualizations and we can't explain everything, but you might want to head over to the averageguy.tv slash HGG and then the number of the podcast. So two thirty-eight is this one. So averageguy.tv slash HGG for home gadget geeks, two thirty-eight if you're listening to the recorded version. Head over there and there'll be a video there and uh, you you can see some of the video. It's worth the watch. Yeah, it's it's essentially a small little cylinder. Um, there are a few questions in the chat room. Yes, it does have a movie mode. It is its own mount. It's a micro four-thirds mount. So the mic any Olympus and Panasonic make micro four-thirds lenses. But I'll show you something in a moment that you might find interesting. So when I was at Disney World, let's see, did my picture pop up? Yep. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Let me okay. hold on. Let me let me get it in focus. One second. There we go. Okay, you're on. That's how I was using it out in the field. I was using the tripod as a grip, and I had my my cell phone attached to the back of it as a as a viewfinder because it's made to work with your cell phone. There's an app that allows you to um, view what you're viewing and actually take the pictures through your phone, so you don't have to use it by hand. I think of the Instamatic version of um, by hand as sort of like a different way of taking pictures. But you can put your phone on it and use it as the full control. You change modes, you go to video mode that way, you can actually go to full manual mode. Does that, gr does that grip priority. come with it when you buy it? Does that That's phone? what I was wondering. It comes with a little tiny lanyard, like like a Wii remote. So I I bought this small tripod just to have maybe use it 
in a dark setting while I was on a trip, and I just happened to figure out, hey, this feels pretty comfortable. I can walk around. People don't really notice that it's a camera, so they're not as um, on guard as you might think when you're taking pictures, so it's a bit more... There's a style of photography called street photography where you're trying to get natural scenes on the street. So this kind of lends itself very easily to do that. So the back has a plate that clips on that your phone sets in. So I put that on, that pops and comes down, and then the phone slides in like a cradle. It's hard to do this backwards, sorry. So it just locks in, and it, I'm shaking this up and down, and it's staying in there pretty good. Yeah. What, 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 is that, what phone is that? This is a Nexus 5X. Okay. So there now, is have you Have you tested the range of how far you can have your phone away from the camera? Not as far as you'd like. Okay. Right? So um, at the Technology Celebration Awards, I had somebody grab the phone, and I was holding the camera, and as soon as they put their hand in front of the phone, between they put their hand between the phone and the camera, it would start complaining about um, loss of signal. Okay. So, so very, it has to be very close. Close enough, yeah. I mean, if you don't have anything between you, it's kind of like the old line of sight rule. You right. can get better radio transmission from that. Um, there are apps for Bluetooth and Android. Uh, I mean, uh, Android and iPhone, sorry. The, the question about Bluetooth is rather interesting because it does have Bluetooth, but it only uses it initially to pair up and then switches over to Wi-Fi because you really can't stream video over Bluetooth well enough. So it does an initial pairing with Bluetooth, then switches the, can the phone over to Wi-Fi and connects up. Well, and that's why I was asking because the use case I was thinking about I actually did some of the video work. There's a horse show at, down at the Quest Center in Omaha called the International, and they wanted some footage from the actual jumps. So they wanted a camera on the jump, and I said, hey, well, let's throw a GoPro in there, and you can control a GoPro via Wi-Fi from a phone. I'll mm -hmm. sit in the stands, and I'll start it and stop it as I see the horse approaching. And I'm thinking with that high quality of a camera that you have right there would be a good use case. And But even with the Wi-Fi, it's not as far. I'm surprised by that, because that's what the GoPro uses as well, is Wi-Fi to pair up, and it's actually a decent signal. I was able wow. to sit in the stands. But do this. Set that down there with the phone next to it, right? And then use TeamViewer to remote to your phone <laughs> and take the picture. Boom. Jim's I always got the answer. Problem solved. Problem solved. That's it. I have seen some pros use it remotely. They, they've, they've stuck it on the ground in one of these small tripods and used it in, like, a motocross race. Yeah. So they were on the other side of the fence while the camera was sitting on the ground. That's what, yeah. I think that'd, that'd be, be a great... a perfect application for it, right? And then you're right. just controlling it. You're close to it, but you're not in it. You're not well, in and it's it. so small, that form factor, you can fit mm -hmm. it in an area that maybe you... And a lot cheaper than throwing your big, bulky DSLR out there. Mm -hmm. one, one of the applications I want to use it for is sticking it in my telescope and trying to do astrophotography. Oh that would be um, awesome. It's a little limited because it only does a maximum of four-second exposures. But I'm hoping that Olympus changes that with firmware updates 
uh, one of the big pushes that Olympus is doing with this camera is they've open sourced the design that the back clip works with. And you can go to Thingiverse and find all sorts of options to mount this. Someone's made um, a chest mount so you can have it strapped to your chest. Um, someone made an amount that would attach to their binoculars so they could look through their binoculars and the camera was mounted in between the two uh, optical sections and they would do bird watching and if they liked it they would just reach up and hit the shutter button. Yeah. Okay. So durability though, I mean is it waterproof or anything like that? It is not waterproof. Okay. So I still making sure you're taking once. care of it when you're taking out yeah. reality yeah. get wet and okay. You yeah. think about the what was the Google experiment with the cardboard? Do they just call it cardboard? Yeah, Google cardboard, yep. So think yeah. about that 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 idea where you have your phone in there and you're you're up close and then you're using it's like the old night vision goggles that we used to use in the military and you got that single lens coming out the front. You look like a dork, but it takes <laughs> really good pictures. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the stupidest thing I ever said. What's the um well, uh, Mike <laughs> Howard asked, what memory cards is it using or what does it accept? And what's been your battery experience? It uses a micro SD or micro SDXC card. I have a 32 gig in there. Um, I have never filled it up on that. And it's been pretty good. I think you get around 250, 250 shots maybe. I think the, the documentation says 320. So they're, they're being, you know, in the documentation, they're always a little generous. Mm -hmm. So your 250 to 300 is probably pretty accurate. Right. And it uses a standard micro uh, USB cable to charge. Yeah. And you could, could, you could pair this with an iPad or you could pair it with a mm -hmm. Samsung tablet, right? Mm -hmm. if, you wanted, if, you wanted, if you had an application where you wanted to use the tablet for maybe some more control. Um, we're, we're a little bit better off than in Japan. In Japan, they released about five apps for the device. We got them all in one package, one download. Hmm. So I think they're going to change that coming up so that people in Japan don't have to download five or six different things. It's just the thing to that... their camera. That I love about this is that, you know, I love GoPro. I've talked about it on the show. It's my favorite camera ever, you know, just for how much it is. But with this, this is far more versatile with any lens you want to put on it. I mean, that's really the big advantage of this thing, right? Mm -hmm. You've got the full capability of putting any lens, whether you want a big zoom. I mean, I'm imagining just in my head someone using this, like a, the photographer at a football game with this huge, massive lens, you know, connected to this tiny little thing. But that really makes it, you can use it in any situation. And that tiny form factor, like you said, not having to put it in a big camera bag, you can toss it in a backpack or whatever you want, or a pocket, like mm -hmm. you said. It really just adds all the it's, features of that all together combined with being you know, controlled by a phone. It's right. extremely intriguing. I had never weight, heard of this before you brought it to the show. So The weight cool. is so different. You know, um, Olympus ran an ad campaign earlier this year called Don't Get DSLR Arm. <laughs> and they had a guy, and he had his arm was like four feet long carrying this big camera all the time. He was hitting people with it when he was walking. It, it was a really funny campaign. But um, one of the things about the, these Olympus cameras, like the Air and my OMD, there's no mirror in it. A Canon and, and Nikon have mirrors. So the distance 
because they're using a viewfinder like a prism, right? Mm -hmm. So the light goes in, hits the mirror, reflects up, and comes out. The, the EM-1 uses an electronic viewfinder. I don't need a mirror. So the distance between the sensor and the lens is so much smaller than a regular DSLR. That gives you certain options. Now, here's that lens from that Minolta earlier, right? This is an adapter. This allows me to use this Minolta lens. Let me grab the air. And now, the lens now works with the air. Wow. And it gets, it gets pretty wild. So let me take the Minolta off. This is going to go way back for this one. This is an old Cinecamera lens from the <laughs> 60s. Oh, wow. So this is a Wallensack 3-inch lens. This is very similar to the old, you know, 16 or 8 millimeter camera lenses that you would get back then. It works perfectly. So it gives what, kind it of, an interesting what kind of effect? Look. Yeah, I was gonna say, what kind of a what kind of effect do you get when you do that? It does tint the color slightly because the optics are a little bit different, but the options are amazing. There was a question earlier about Pentax. Here's a Pentax lens with the K-mount adapter. So now I have a Pentax lens. That is just super cool. <laughs> yep. And I'm just, just watching for you to keep putting different stuff on. <laughs> okay. Just like, uh, but wait. This is, but wait. There's more. This One is more. the biggest. If you are an audio listener, got. you do have to go watch. I'm just gonna right. say that you have yeah, to come watch sure. this episode. I just got this from Japan in its original box with its original pricing information in it. This is an Olympus 200 millimeter lens with an adapter. It's a little heavy. I can't find the dot to see how to put it on. But it certainly makes this thing. Now I'll put the shroud out. So there. Right. Looks pretty darn long. But I want to be able to do pictures of the moon. This lens helps me do that. Um, Manual lenses are a little bit easier for focusing at night than automatic lenses because automatic lenses will try to hunt for focus and you don't get the greatest results. But just it's kind of opened a whole different world having all these options for me no matter which camera I'm using. John, you shot some pictures. Uh, let's see, we were at what Heartland Developer Conference last Mm -hmm. Any of those pictures ever make it anywhere on the web where folks wanted to see what what they look like? Uh, they could is that a, on maybe on the site or did, did they ever make it there? I have some. I don't know if I posted them in my Google Plus account, but um, we could probably pull some up. I have some samples from the trip. Well, let's let's do it this way because we'll get way better quality. Why don't you th over the weekend? Um, okay. uh, why don't you post them somewhere where folks can see them and then send me a link and I'll put that link in the show notes that way people can see them in their full resolution if we post them here on Google Plus they'll suck you know from uh, the, these this isn't very good but we'll do that that'll be your homework uh, if you're a listener regular listener head out to the show notes again theaverageguy.tv slash hgg238 
and uh, John will provide those, and we'll keep them out there for a while, and uh, you can take a peek and see what kind of resolution you get. There is a few questions in the chat room. There is pretty much you can find a mount adapter for almost any lens. So if you're a guy who's has a lot of older lenses and you want to reuse them, just buy a couple of adapters and you're in. eBay has been like crazy for older lenses. That's how I got that one from Japan. I just ordered it directly on eBay. Um, focusing is pretty fast. Um, the, the, the Olympus usually has in-body stabilization for all their cameras. Um, so their lenses are not stabilized. So for instance, the EM1 has a 5-axis image stabilization. It's great for handheld. You can actually go faster shutter speeds when you're taking pictures. They did cut corners on the air. It does not have that stabilization. But Panasonic lenses have stabilization built into the lens. And if you put a Panasonic lens on here, you get image stabilization. Because they, they're, the, they're the same standard. They use the same programming. Each one of these lenses is like a mini computer. There are chips in there. You can actually do firmware updates on the lenses. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm not saying this because Mike Howard should do it, but Mike Howard, you should have John on JPEG to raw. Just saying. <laughs> Uh, this is no. This I is, and I'm not uh, a camera guy. This is what's crazy about this. When you were telling me about this at the conference, I'm not a camera guy, and but I'm a gadget guy. And this is an awesome gadget. I mean, this is one of those things, and it's not a million dollars. I mean, you can get the. It's 300 bucks, and you're gonna spend another probably 500 bucks in accessories. <laughs> let's just let's just say that. But you're gonna get. Uh, you're gonna get. Uh, I guess this is one of those really fun gadgets if you're a photographer. That I think you know, you can. You're in some place, and you pull that out of your bag in a lens and snap it together, and go shoot some, you know, go shoot some shots that uh, that might have that more, like you said, I, I forget what you called it, but that more realistic approach to it. Mm -hmm. All photographers have their own opinionated way of doing things, so I'm sure people are like, nah, nah, whatever, Collison. But it's uh, it is an interesting gadget to say the least. That's pretty cool, John. I have one little thing to show for Mike. Yeah. All right. He said he's oh, for me. No, for oh yeah, for me. Okay. Okay. So, wildlife photography is is interesting because of the distances involved in the lenses. So Olympus has made this little gadget, and you'll recognize this in just a moment. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah. So when I was talking about using that big lens. Uh, and for audio listeners, this is a red dot sight for my camera. So it projects a red dot in the through the viewfinder. Um, electronic viewfinders at night really can't see anything, especially if you're looking at stars. The red dot finder gets me in that area, and wow. I can see exactly what I'm trying to find. I had no idea. I have one on my telescope. Cool. But yeah, it's it's purpose built, and it. Even though the description says it only works with the Olympus EM5 Mark II, there's no contacts. It works with any standard camera shoe. That so, is cool. Yeah, that is it cool. It is. I haven't used it yet. I only got it right before I left town. So I had no idea they made such thing. Yeah, I've got a uh, a gun mount for my GoPro. 
So actually, whenever I do get anything, I'll, I might post the video out on the Facebook group just to show you how that works and show you a picture of it. It's really cool. It's the way it's designed works pretty well for the mm-hmm. right underneath the underbody of my gun, which is pretty fun. I've seen rail adapters that go into camera hot shoes. Oh, so really? You can use pretty much any any site. Nice. Well, Mike Howard says this is the first interesting show I've ever done. So. <laughs> <laughs> JPEG to Raw approved. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. No, that's awesome. No, that's good, John. Uh, thanks for thanks for bringing sure. that in. You know, it's it's really cool that when you show, like I said, when you showed that to me, I was like, oh, we gotta talk about this. And uh, and actually, I think you showed it to me twice. And the first time, I'm not sure I was smart enough to catch on. And I think it was the <laughs> second time. I think you said to me, "Hey, we should talk about this." And, well, that's uh, you know, that's how stealthy it is. Is that nobody recognizes what it is? Yeah. So, well, and at three hundred dollars, it's it's a price point. It it could be a good gift for someone who does already have all the lenses. If you've got mm-hmm. a photographer who just loves gadgets, to be perfect. Yeah. And for the I've, photographer who has everything, right? Yes, I've, exactly. <laughs> I've read articles where people who've who've had a couple cameras over the years, they bought one on a whim, and it gave them a whole different view on doing photography. Because it's such a different form factor, and if if you want a body for it, you can go to Thingiverse and find some and print them out, and it'll it'll clip in there, and it looks like an Instamatic or it looks like an older uh, twin lens reflex camera box, like an old Brownie. You can get those. It's out there. That's cool. Cool indeed. Well, good stuff, John. Thanks again for for bringing that in, and uh, I'll I'll put all those links uh, to the camera and to uh, some of the kits. And John's going to provide. He's provided me some links in our show notes tonight. Again, head out to theaverageguy.tv and uh, and take a look at that. That'll be pretty interesting. And John, you and I will work on getting a link to some pictures, so um, so the folks can see that as well. So hang tight, John, with us. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up, Mike. I wanna I wanna ask you real quick. Uh, you you are Xbox. We talked about the Xbox One experience. You don't have a ton of time, but give me your you know three to five minute version of the upgrade, the gigantic upgrade that came with the Xbox. Yeah, it was huge. And actually, I'd kind of the first experience wasn't the best for me, but it was completely my fault. I had totally forgot the update was going to happen, and my Xbox does the updates automatically. So I got home and was trying to quickly turn on the end of a game that I wanted to watch, and I couldn't figure out how to get to my TV. It was like, oh gosh, it's a whole new... It's Because it is a complete overhaul of the entire look and functionality of how the Xbox looks. So... My first experience, I just couldn't find... I was looking for the TV icon like it had before, and now everything is one guide. That's just how it's all branded. Uh, So overall, though, after I got past that initial shock, the look and the feel of it is nice. And the functionality of when I'm playing a game and I want to send a message to someone or a message comes in, or if I'm watching TV, same sort of thing, I want to do something else. Um, They've got a new left side menu that has a lot of your main things that you would want, messages, settings, um, anything like that. So overall, and it looks fantastic, just looks crisp and clean, reminds me a lot of Windows 10, it it looks pretty good. Now, as far, when you get past the looks though, the functionality, I'm guaranteeing they're going to have an update in this next week or two, because the functionality of it, I think, is lackluster. Snapping apps is a big feature of the Xbox, You, especially if you have the Kinect, or even if you don't, a lot of times I'm playing a game and then we'll pop up the TV on the right side and watch actual football on that, and when you do that now, 
it is completely choppy. So the TV on the right is like they're moving in slow motion, or the, so you just can't do it right now. So there's some things that went wrong with snapping apps. Uh, you also just figuring out how to snap an app or unsnap an app has gotten a lot harder and more complicated. You used to just double tap a button on your controller and it would bring up a simple display of how to do that, and now it's much more complicated. So I think they'll start to find some of these things and change them. Uh, also, the one guide. So the thing that surprised me, and Jim, we talked about in the past, um, so it all changed. They rebranded to one guide, which is fine and okay, but when I'm watching TV, my biggest, uh, our, our biggest use case was we would pop up the full screen TV guide to switch channels, and the Xbox can control my cable box, so it's fine, and you use the Xbox guide, they took that away. There's no more full screen guide. It's a very tiny, transparent, just the text with no background uh, in the bottom third uh, scroll. So as you start to scroll through the guide, you can only just scroll through and you're seeing like one channel at a time, no icons, no graphics. And uh, I think, I don't know who I was chatting with um, on Twitter. It was one of the viewers. We were talking about why they went away with it. And I just, I couldn't figure out why. And I don't like the small mini guide. So for me, it got a lot worse on functionality. But I'm guessing they'll start to bring some things like that back. Also, we have the Xbox One media remote. Because that remote is one of the only ways you can change the volume on your TV through the Xbox. Is by using that remote. And the guide button on the remote, and um, I've got to find who I was tweeting with, but anyway, my guide button doesn't do anything anymore. It became non-functional. So it's the one guide logo on the remote, and when I click that, nothing happens. So that used to, in the past, pop up the full screen guide and have all the data there, but now that button just doesn't do anything. Now, that button on my remote may just be not functioning anymore, uh, may just be me, but so overall, the look and feel is great, and I can definitely see why they did it. And I think it's just going to take a week or two um, for them to get that functionality back. But just the gripes, you know, I was kind of looking on Twitter to see if I'm alone in the way I'm feeling kind of angry. Like, hey, you ha it was working so well. Like, snapping apps was great. Uh, it was all flowed well. Everything worked. And now there's just so many bugs in it that it's kind of just depressing because when you I did switch everything over to the Xbox, I run everything through it, the cable box, everything. So when it doesn't work and it was working so well, you know, it's just one of those frustrations that happens. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing the whole... Well, welcome to Windows 10. Well, yeah. Welcome oh, to I Windows 10. I'll say that. I'll let you say it. But, um, but I think it will be fantastic. Give it a month um, for them to work out all the kinks. Backward compatibility with Xbox 360 games was also nice. Uh, I have an old collection. I had the 360 before. Not many of the titles I have are compatible now. I was looking for some of the big Call of Duty titles, but those are going to be in the future. But um, if you're looking for that sort of thing, Gears of War, some of the fun games you play on the Xbox, uh, they do have that now. So just that was a quick kind of brief version of how I'm feeling about it. But I think in two weeks, I'll have a much different opinion. Wow, you're, you're going to give it just two weeks? That's, you're, you're pretty um, optimistic. Well, I think they can fix some of the quick things, like my, the snapping apps not stuttering. Hope I so. think that's just a base. I don't know what happened. I don't know why the TV stutters on the right side whenever it's snapped, but um, yeah. All of Microsoft goes on vacation here in a month, and they're gone for three weeks. So if oh, I didn't know that. If you, don't have, if you don't have your updates by, let's say, the second or third week of December, it's not coming until the end of January. So, um, yeah, you know, this is the best version of Windows 10 will be the one that comes out in 2016. So, yeah. There was a discussion. I don't know why they rushed it on the Xbox One. Then you, we didn't yeah, need it. No, I know it was fine. No, I know we didn't and need it. it wasn't. On, we didn't need it for Windows 8 either. Well, but you weren't forced into it. That's the difference. On the True. Xbox One, you you had to update. 
So there's not there's no like oh I'm gonna stick around on Windows 8 and not move up to 10. True. You can't do that on the Xbox One. So that's I think the frustrating thing for me was I have no option now to go back. Just let let me stay on the old one until your new one's ready. I'm I'm you know. Well, that's what they want. They want Windows 10 as a service, and they 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 would do that on the PC if they thought they could get away with it. But yeah. There's there's so much the the PC user base the 1.4 or 1.2 whatever is billion users of Windows. We never put up with that. So, but the Xbox users, sorry, phone users, sorry. You know, you're just gonna get it and take it and like it. And uh, and honestly, on those devices, right, Mike, you, you come from an ecosystem that tells you what you're gonna do when you can do it, right? So oh, you're yeah. used yeah. to this. Oh, I'm I'm very used to it. <laughs> yeah. No, and and I, you know, and I'm someone who I already. I don't listen to everyone, and I upgrade right away almost all of my computers, so I'm, I'm used to dealing with this stuff, so it's not that bad. But when it's your home device that right. you and your wife, this is not just a device I use now anymore. It's our home device that my wife uses. So when Hannah is trying to watch the game in the split-screen view and it's not working, it's just it's much more noticeable. I'm yeah. used to dealing with that sort of stuff, and she is too. She's fine right. about it. She's like, oh, it's, it'll be fine, but just one of those gripes. Nope. Right on. I, very warranted. Very warranted. Yeah. I think... First quarter, I would say first quarter of 2016 is going to get a lot better for you right. on the Xbox One, and and so, you know, lots of core technologies changes uh, changed under the hood, and uh, right. and so a lot of things had to be completely rewritten, and so, and 90% of it got a million times better. So yeah, there's good. just those few things that when you use that, them every day, they wanted that backward compatibility to 360 so bad. That I think they're just like get this out now. See, but they didn't even release their big titles with it. Is the funny thing? I would right. I would bet if we looked at the data, there's going to be an extremely small percentage, under 10 percent, under 5 percent. I'd say of people who actually use that. Yeah. Because yeah, it's the games you want to play are the old sport games or Call of Duty or some of this stuff, and they're just not there yet. They're Madden. on the list of coming soon. Madden 08, right? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I just grabbed the new Madden. It's pretty sweet. Did you? Yeah, my son played hours and hours and hours, and it was either 07 or 08. Yeah. Oh, NCAA football was my game back in the day. I would just yeah. play that for hours. No, right on. That's a good overview, and uh, it's it's good to hear uh, from that standpoint and you know, give it an honest opinion. If you're on a 360, you're kind of, or I mean, if you're on an Xbox One, you're kind of stuck in that yeah. situation because you're going to get it, and you're going to like it, and you're going to take it. And uh, and so it's one of those things. While we were talking, I did find. Let's see if you can see this. I did find the old Snapfish. I don't know, John. Did you ever use uh, Snapfish for your? Uh, I used Shutterfly for the most okay, part. Shutterfly for, for uh, printing. Any I was more. a big Snapfish guy. Seattle Filmworks too was another one yeah. that I used. There, and, I uh, found some place online that was still doing that. I'm sure. I'm sure there's still a place for for film. I mean, not a lot, but uh, I wonder how long it'll be before you can't get your film developed. You know, you can always still buy the chemicals and do it yourself. Uh, yeah, that's. Oh. I mean, there are still yeah. dedicated yeah, yeah. people. Yeah, why would you though? For the most part. But but think about how photography has changed. You used to be very conservative about taking pictures. Now it's digital. It's just boo 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 boo. You know, I I put on multi exposure and take pictures of kids running, just to make animated gifs. Right. And you're wasting. You know, each one of these is. Eight to ten meg each. Yeah, and just, you just storage is so cheap, it. right? And you just throw right. it on, you throw it in the cloud, and 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 call it good. So it has completely changed, right? Digital has completely changed the way we look at pictures. You're right. It's like or or film, right? We or movie. We don't care. It's like just get as much as you can. Uh, I think about, I mean, what we do with these podcasts, right? And these things are gigantic. These files I download from YouTube. 
I mean, they're pretty big, and uh, and so we don't even uh, we don't even um, think twice. Lopta, John, one last question: How much was that K mount adapter? You remember? I, I want to say somewhere around fifteen bucks. Huh. not terrible. But uh, I'll check Amazon real quick. Okay, Here, uh, post that in the chat when you're done, and okay. and uh, Lopta will pick that up as well. Well, we'll remind everyone if you have questions, comments, or contributions, uh, back to the show. Send me an email. That's really the best way to do it. Jim at theaverageguy.tv. You can find me on Twitter at Jay Collison. You can track me down on talk.to. In fact, right now the little green light or little red light, I think it's red is on at talk.to, and that means I'm there and listening, and there's a bunch of you out there I'm, I'm watching. I, I created its own dedicated space so that it's not popping up on the broadcast <laughs> server when I'm doing it. So if you uh, if you want to talk to me during the week, don't do it now because I won't be able to answer. But during the week, if you see that on, just say hi. Love to talk to you, uh, see what's going on, and uh, we want to thank talk.to for that great service, TAWK.TO, the average guy.tv platform, both web and media hosting. Of course, is powered by Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people you know and trust. That's Christian, and he's taking on customers. For more information, by the way, it's cheap as 10 bucks. So if you want to do 10 bucks a month, that'll get you some pretty good service. MapleGrovePartners.com. Of course, Mike, you're all in on Squarespace now, you traitor. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I felt really bad about that. I didn't. I couldn't even personally email Christian. I was just like filled out the form on his website because I felt so bad. Man, you should have just kept it for for principal. I know. I should have. I'll be back. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. At some time, you'll need his services. I just like switching platforms. It's really fun for me. I just like my site grade. looks good. If you if you haven't been out to 2980, right? 2980. 2980network.com. If you haven't been out there yet, check that out. That's Mike's site, and of course. Uh, suit and scrubs, is it uh, is it coming back? We got some oh, yeah. stuff. Okay, oh, yeah. good. We got some stuff in the can, ready to put it out, ready nice. for some interviews. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we're coming back with the bang. Okay, so looking forward the, to some. We're making the break worth it for everyone. So, because I'm sick of tech podcasts, I'm not gonna lie. The other day I was listening <laughs> to one. I can't listen to another freaking tech podcast uh, or a podcast about podcasting. Well, um, we'll get you another episode of Suit and Scrub. Suit and Scrub. All right, get that done. And of course, you can always catch Open Mic Night, Apple-based podcast. Although last week you guys kind of went kind of open. We talked some media center stuff. You talked some flex. Yeah. yeah. So it's not always Apple, but uh, Mike tries to keep that Apple focused as well. You can also listen to Home Gadget Geeks. Uh, just a reminder on the new Android and iPhone app, uh, we have all of everything that's out there. The best way to get that is at HomeGadgetGeeks.com. You don't that way you don't have to go search in the stores. See, someone's calling me. Can you hear the? Can you hear mm -hmm. that? They're calling me. I'll turn that down here. Um, the uh, the best way to do that, homegadgetgeeks.com. The links are right there. You can just it'll take you right to the stores to get that downloaded. We are streaming. Just a reminder, we're streaming live right now on that app, on the Home Gadget Geeks app. And I'm not gonna lie, it's great to have uh, my album art as a uh, as a logo on your phone. So. Uh, it's a square tile. That's pretty cool. Makes me feel good. So download that app. Give it a try. Share it with your friends and neighbors. We want to thank LastPass for doing that. And so far, they're still LastPass. They haven't become something else yet. And uh, we want to thank them for sponsoring that uh, mobile app as well. Remind you, during the Christmas season, if you would, use the Amazon affiliate link. When you're purchasing, it doesn't cost you any more, but uh, we benefit from it. Theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon gets you their book market. That's really the best way. And then Tell uh, tell the significant other who does the shopping in the f in the family. Hey, if you're going to go to Amazon, just click on this link, and uh, and that will benefit from it. We are still looking to pick up uh, Kyle that uh, that super techie baby monitor. We haven't decided which one we're going to do yet, so that will be a tech scholarship fund item uh, for him. Uh, we uh, some new posts to the Average Guy TV. If you haven't been out there and checked the review section, 
for a while. A couple new reviews, of course, all sponsored by the Tech Scholarship Fund. We did a leap. We did a leap motion controller uh, review that David um, Bradway did. That I thought leap was dead. I'll be honest with you. Leap came out a couple years ago. We all thought it was that thing you put your hands over and you do some stuff with. They're actually doing some interesting, like, software stuff with this. And so, if you haven't read that review, it's the very top one out there on the reviews and how tos at theaverageguy.tv. Have a have a look and and give David some some feedback. He spent some time writing a post. You could too, if you want to. Uh, you could write a post for me. We'll post it out there in the how to reviews. It can be on anything tech. You just want to write about something you're reviewing. This would be a great way to crowdsource a lot of the equipment that we're already using. And if you don't have a blog and you don't want one, and who really would want to maintain a blog anymore? But if you don't want that, you can post those. Or you can have multiple blogs like Mike Weger does and uh, just keep shifting them around from place yeah. to place. You know? But if you don't want to do that, you could, uh, you could write those, send them to me. We'll, do, uh, we'll get them posted on there as well. Talked about the, uh, the, the, um, the sleeve. Oh, we forgot to play Ted's voicemail. Let's do that real quick. So Ted sent me a voicemail talking about reviews. I did a review on the uh, on the the Mophie sleeve for the phone, uh, and uh, Ted was nice enough to call in with a question about it. Let's play that. Hello, Jim. It's Ted from Chicago. Um, I'm calling to make a comment about the battery sleeves that you mentioned in your uh, episode 233. Uh, there's a bit of controversy about those. Um, the technology is not new. It's been around for decades. Um, there's m multiple electronics um, vblogs on, on YouTube where uh, different double E uh, engineers are uh, discussing those products. Um, some electronics already includes the technology in their power supplies. Um, and another question that I have is why why don't the battery manufacturers do that years ago? So anyway, uh, if you do some uh, look up on YouTube, you'll find there's um, multiple videos. Uh, where they're discussing the merits, advantages, and disadvantages of that product. Thanks. Bye. And remember, you can call in and leave a message, too. We'll play it right here on uh, Home Gadget Geeks, 402-478-8450. That's all over the site, if you can't remember it from there. Ted makes a good point. Uh, battery sleeves, on, and John, what he's talking about is, is I got this Mophie... Uh, battery sleeve for my iPhone. We'll do it right here. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it last week. You know, pop that off, slide it in. I say it's a must-to-have. I, I am addicted to it now when I travel, it, because you know, you know the deal. You're out and about, and you can't, yeah. you know. And um, and so yeah, uh, I like it. So uh, go out uh, if you're interested in this. Ted says there's there's lots of um, you know, around battery extension technologies and some of those things, but. I dig this thing. There's a review out there for it. I, I wouldn't buy this one again, to be honest with you. I wouldn't go with the Mophie case. I think there's some other ones I'd go with that's maybe more functional. But I keep it charged. Uh, you can see the battery in the back. I just keep it charged if I ever need it. I can pull it out. I only use it when I travel. So that uh, review is out there at The Average Guy. Ted, thanks for calling in as well. And you can do that as well. We'll play it right here. Send me a note. Send me an email. I appreciate all that stuff. Uh, that you sent me. It's great to communicate with you guys. A couple of you have been sending me some great links uh, to talk about during the week. Catch me on Twitter, those kinds of things. 
and uh, I appreciate all that stuff as well. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. In this, uh, in this week's newsletter, in this month's newsletter, uh, Udemy, we've been talking a little bit about that. Udemy right now is running some Black Friday sales, and they're, a bunch of their courses are just 10 bucks. And if you follow the link in the newsletter, so go out to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter and follow that link. By the way, I don't endorse any of them. Okay, I've taken them all. I don't know what they are. There's some good ones. There's some bad ones. Buyer beware, all that other stuff. But uh, they're running a they're running a sale now on all the, a lot of those. That link is out there. Even if you missed the Black Friday sale and you want to try some out, give it a shot. Give me some feedback. I would love to hear. John, have you ever taken a Udemy course or like Lynda.com? Okay, Mike, have you? Uh, Lynda.com. Yep, Linda. I've used them before. Lynda, uh, Pluralsight would be another one a lot of the tech guys use. Some of those same kind of thing where they get independent contributors that come in and create courses. Udemy seems a little more kind of sketchy. I'm just going to say it that way. <laughs> so be careful as you're looking at that. But I'm interested if there's if you've used it before and it didn't work or you used it and it did work and you loved what they're doing there's a course you tried that you really liked, let us know. Let's share it out on the Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash group slash the average guy, and uh, we'd love to do that as well. We are running a little bit late, and with that, we'll say thanks for coming out tonight. If uh, we are we are live out here every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out the average guy. TV slash live. I think we're going to try an experiment where at the end of the show, you'll miss it if you're listening to the recorded version, but we're going to try and do blab and hangouts at the same time. Are you guys up for that? You want to try that? Mike, do you have a few minutes or do you got to go? I got to go. You got to go. Sorry. So John and I will try it to get. John, you got a few minutes or do you got to go? Sure, I got time. Okay, so John and I will experiment with it. With that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>